0: Two games this week, the first of which was the 2-0 home win over Harlepool. Roger Wakefield thought that the three points are incredible, but also that the second half was very, very boring. James thought the red card that was never a red card killed the game, so it's very difficult to gauge the win. James is also still baffled by the goalkeeper choice, and for his own mental health, he thinks we shouldn't play Sambu again. Ashley Platt thought it was good to see Finnegan on the score sheet of a great goal, and Ashley asks if we can play against 10 men every week. Alex Cresti put it quite simply, we won. Andrew Whittingham has been reading the Hartlepool comments and he says they're claiming we're the worst side they faced. That's been a recurring theme this year. Daz thought it was a much needed win. He thought the Hartlepool were concerned about their goal difference taking a bit of a hammering, so they seemed to admit defeat at half time. They went defensive and then both teams contend with 2-0. Tom Mayo thought that aided by a red card and a crap pool's team, we did what was required. We played well first half, and Rio had an excellent game. Tom thinks that we were told to be pragmatic and not lose the second half, but it wasn't an easy watch. Phil B thinks we look much better with 3-5-2. He was just also disappointed not to see Holacek play, but at 2-0 it's risky. One step and it's game on. He felt the Sambo was a better substitution and more suited for their three kicks and corners. Tara Griffiths said that three points is all that matters. Henry Lewis thought the win's a win and it was a big relief. He's grateful for the three points, but luck was well and truly on our side with the sending off. If we're putting emphasis on getting balls into the box, James Henry thinks the delivery has to improve so much, especially from Rio. Richard Benson thought a win was a win. Two shots on target says a little more than we want to hear though, really. And finally, Richard Judson thought it was a decent first half, made easier when they went down to ten. However, we made heavy weather of it in the second half. The main objective was three points though, and this was achieved. The second game of the week saw an unlikely 2-2 draw at Harrogate and with those two late goals. Captain Britton isn't sure how we managed to get a draw out of that but at this stage of the season he thinks you've got to take it however it does not cover up the deficiencies in the squad. Colin Higginson thought it was a decent point and he thinks we probably would have been on for a routine win if Nevitt's chance had gone in or if Ainley scores on the rebound. Richard Sandland thought that the first 80 minutes seemed to offer a vision of the future, stuck visiting non-league grounds. Richard thinks, however, the fight back to gain a point might see us retain our league status. Steve Dale thinks he has to be happy of a point with a team that doesn't generally come from behind. Jonathan Ditty thinks it's the most uncrew-like last 10 minutes. I haven't come back like that since the promotion season. Jonathan thinks Harrogate got visibly nervous and amazingly, we took advantage. Mr B thinks Harrogate should never have been 2-0 up against us. He's glad we came back level, but he's still far convinced by the three revolving managers. Steve Bennett, who you'll hear more from shortly, thinks it was literally a point from nowhere. He doesn't think anyone saw that comeback arriving. He thought we were lacklustre and poor for 84 minutes against what looked like a poor side. Tara Griffiths, obviously a, a pod regular, thought that the subs made a difference and overall we lacked the quality, but the manager also has to make a call regarding the keeper situation. One of our other pod favourites, Mark Bertles, thinks we have to be happy of a point given the circumstances. A fight back is good to see as he was really questioning the fight in the group at half time. H Robinson thinks football is a daft little game, we were hopeless for 80 minutes and after we equalised we were the only team likely to win. Rob Murray thinks it was good to see us show some fight because he couldn't see us coming back. Finnegan was Rob's man of the match who really thinks he does look like a class act and he put in a real shift. Andy O'Neill thinks it's a point on the road, but he also thinks it's imperative we replace Richards in the summer, as he was again very poor today. Andy thinks for a better keeper, we win that game. Kev O'Connell thinks no matter how bad the opposition, we will always give them chances, However, luckily Harrogate were just as generous. Pablo55 thinks it's possibly the biggest point of the season, but questions where are the team for the first hour. However, he thinks credit for Lee Bell for making the right changes. He also thinks Richards needs to be dropped. Chris Thompson thought it was a good, very uncrew-like fight back, and he thinks that Bell's subs seem to influence the game once again. However, Chris also thinks three Saturdays running, it does seem to indicate that he gets his initial selection wrong. James thinks we got out of jail after a terrible first hour, the subs changed the game for us. However, he also thinks for the love of God, please get the nice guy out of goal and back on the bench where he belongs. Daz thought we were awful till we scored a goal, but not beating dreadful teams like Harrogate is so frustrating. Pablo 55 pops up again, and he thinks that's 12 draws now this season. And he thinks, for a little more belief, we could be even more secure in mid table. And finally, Joe thinks a comes and claims the cross for the second. Richards is so out of his depth. <laughs>
1: We
2: gotta do it. We 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 got do it. do
0: Hello, welcome to the Railway Men podcast. Two games this week and the excitement of four crew goals to talk through uh, through those two games. So we've assembled an expert panel this week of veterans from the podcast. First of all, Lee Bell's best friend, king of the 352 and also king of the analogy, Alex Arani.
3: Oh, Steve, what an intro that is. Long live the king. Get rid of Stu. You're you're here for the duration. mate.
0: (laughs) Absolute pleasure. He's here in body, if not in mind, Tim Robinson. Hi, Steve. Cheers, Tim. And finally, uh, let's hope he's a better panellist than food critic, lover of fish, chips and gravy, Steve Bennett. More to Steve.
4: Buenos centers Dave Richards.
0: Okay, Um, we start off with um, the Hartlepool game on Tuesday night. And the two key questions before the match were, would Lee Bell continue with the 3-5-2 system that turned the game around at Crawley? And also, if he were to do that, who would fill in at the right wing-back spot with Robertson suspended? Alex, what did you think when you got the answers to those two
3: questions? I was worried at first, I must say, Joel Tabiner, who spent his you know, short professional career, playing anywhere other than right wing back or right back was thrust into the limelight. But credit credit where it's due, he was excellent there, actually. And I think, you know, if you put Rio there, Rio is very left-footed and he's always trying to cut inside because taberna has got that bit more guile about him. He's able to get it on his left or right foot, which meant he could go on the outside, despite the fact he did more often than not want to get it on his left foot. But no, it worked well. It It wasn't who I'd have chosen before the game, but... That's why he's the manager and I come on this podcast and, and chat nonsense. There's the difference.
0: The game really hinged on a key decision about a quarter of an hour into the game. Um, and I think your opinion on the decision at the time very much depends on, on where you were watching the game. Um, Tim, I believe you were eye-following the
1: game. Um, what did you think of the red card when you first saw it? When I first saw it, I didn't think it was a red card. Um, I was I was quite shocked when the, when the red card came out. But I've I've noticed incidents under the camera gantry there before where it looks fairly innocuous. I think there was a challenge by a Crawley player on Charlie Kirk that got a straight red a few years back in a very similar position It looked innocuous on camera. But then when you saw it from the other angle, it was a horrendous challenge. Um, and judging by the players' reactions, it didn't seem to me that any of them were shocked about their decision. Sterry put his hands on his head, but then just accepted it and walked straight off. So you kind of got the impression there was probably more to it than um, than the eye follow cameras were able to show. Um, and yeah, it wasn't a massive surprise, to be honest, when I saw the, the other angle later in the week. And you could see it was actually a horrendous challenge and the referee got it absolutely spot on.
0: Steve, you were at the game in the main stand. Did you think at the time
4: it was a red? Yeah, yeah. Um... We, my brother and I turned to each other and said, That's an absolute shocker. It down his sock, literally the full length of his sock, and really, really late. Um, however, like like the others have said that on it didn't appear to be on, on the eye follow, And it was interesting reading bits on Twitter at half time and stuff, saying that it, it was really harsh, blah blah blah. But it was as as Tim said, really interesting that not, nobody none of, seemingly none of the opposition players nor um Sterry himself complained in the slightest, really. They um they accepted it. And I think they knew knew what he'd done. I, I did wonder whether there was some sort of old school agenda because obviously we had Sterry on loan for a couple of months, didn't we, back in the day. Um and I just wondered whether there was there was some sort of um some something gone on from, from way back. Um, but we'll we'll never know, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's just, it just out it of
3: curiosity. Read. Sorry, something an, an old school agenda. I mean, the players don't send off Sterry, the ref does. The, the ref ain't gonna, no, think, no, oh, he, used to play for, he used to play for crew. Oh, we should send him off because he's come back to Gresty Road.
4: No, I, I was, was Sterry trying to make his mark on somebody, is what I meant. Um, he, he, I, you don't know, do you? Because it's a rush of blood, and there's no re, no need for him to make that challenge. And it and it's so late, isn't it? It it's it's the ball's five, eight yards away by the time he gets there, and then then you know sticks his studs down him. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll never know, will we? But um it, as you said, it definitely turned the game in our favour, didn't it? Alex. they were crap to start with, so they, they weren't <laughs> gonna get any better with ten, were they? So Alex, and so
0: Steve's alluded to this, because um, obviously you expressed concerns about playing Tabina at right wing back. Suddenly the complexion of the game changes and maybe it plays into our hands having Tabina there with them being a man down. Do you think that helped him acclimatise to that role?
3: Yeah, I think, it, I think it probably did. And it also allowed him and Rio to stay high and wide, which is what you want to do when, you, when you're playing against 10 men. You want to move the ball, spread it across the pitch, put a lot of running, get them shuffling, shuffling, shuffling and wear them down. And actually, credit where it's due, that first half, we were good. We we played well against 10 men. We moved the ball from side to side. We used our extra man to advantage. We allowed ourselves to get into overloads in wide areas. And there was plenty more chances. If if one of the two strikers made a near post run, they'd have had one, maybe two goals when they were just attacking it because of the crosses that were coming in. And I think it did probably allow Tabena to settle into the role because, you know, obviously he's better going forward than he is going back towards his own goal. And with the man advantage, it meant he was going forward more than he was being turned around. Um, but on to Steve's point about the red card. I, I, at the ground, it looked a red and also the ref's reaction. As soon as he saw the tackle, you saw him, he got the afterburners on to get over there and send him off straight away. Rio miscontrolled it, which allowed the ball to sit up, which probably gave Sterry a chance to win it, or so he thought. But when that ball is sort of knee high, when it's been miscontrolled and you go in to win it, if you don't win it, you're asking for trouble. And that's what um, that's what came.
0: Hartlepool didn't really offer much threat, but inevitably their one chance fell to the one player who we thought was going to score against us. And there was peak Finney peeling off at the far post. And then, Tim, that execution was the Finney we've come to know and love over the past year and a half. Do you think um, original version Finney sticks that one in the net and gives us a
1: problem? Possibly so, yeah. Um, but... He did exactly what I expected him to do. Although um, well, having said that, I did have a few problems. With Finney scoring a goal, um, I thought it was pretty inevitable. But then uh, the way the game panned out with them down to ten men so early, uh, they just you know that Finney chance aside, they offered nothing, did they?
4: No, and i just just remark on Finney as well. His tracking was absolutely awful. You watch a player slightly different when they're against you, and he'd 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 press. For about a second, and then just go. Oh, I've had enough now, and and let his player go past him. And that was a big problem in the first half. And it was, it was no surprise to see him hooked at half-time because he is is his defensive play for when when you're ten, you've got to all work your asses off, haven't you? And for them, I thought he he, he was just well, you know, a bit passive. And oh well, I made the effort initially, and then um, he'd let his player run on beyond him and um, sort of jog back. Um, And as I said, no no surprise when he was one of the ones hooked at half-time.
0: And he was benched yesterday as well from looking at their lineup, He came on about 15 minutes to go. So eventually, after lots of pressure and lots of crosses, like Alex has mentioned, Crew do take the lead. Um, Aggie, the architect of the goal, looks like the chance has gone, but he
3: manages to get the ball across. Alex, do you want to take it from there? I mean, he got the ball across and only couldn't miss. Although he did somehow slice it into the bottom corner, it felt, didn't it? With with a goal at his mercy, he was like, you don't really need to take that much of a chance, mate. It's, it's on a plate for you. But no, it was it a was good play for Maggi, actually. He'd done well because initially he tackled, but he got up, he reacted. He squared it across the goal and there, there was our goal-scoring number 10 with his first league goal since tw- May 2021 to, um, or April it might have been, to be fair uh to, to, to tuck it away it was it was just sort of workman like wasn't it the ball went through in between the two the center half and the full back Adji initial shot cross was blocked and and there he was not not really much more to add unfortunately like most Adji, of our goals it wasn't exactly brimming with quality was it
1: Adji got away with murder there he he was so lucky he he could have laid it on a plate for elliot Nevit at the start of that move and then would have been cleaned through and he took the extra touch because he didn't get his head up and got tackled. But he was extremely fortunate that the ball bounced back to him and he was able to sort of work it through to Ainley in the end. Well, he probably saw it. Elliot never discussed that one wide
3: of the post about ten minutes earlier. I thought I'm not passing to this Joker. I'll, I'll try. I'll try and do it myself.
0: Worth, worth noting as well that I think the uh, the through ball that puts a Johnny through is from um, is from Finnegan just like the weekend as well. Um, Okay. Um, shortly after that, the second goal does arrive and it's Finnegan himself who makes his and scores his first ever Football League goal. Um, Tim, do you want to talk us through his goal?
1: A cross came in from the left, keeper slapped at one, got it as far as the edge of the area, but then was woefully out of position if it fell nicely. And it did. Um, Finnegan took a touch with his chest and um, very composed finish on the edge of the box, just kind of whacked it straight back into the empty net. Nice goal. Uh, if it's the other way around, though, I'm um, asking questions about the goalkeeper. Yeah, I'd be fuming
3: if I was a goalkeeper, he- uh, if, if I was a Hartlepool fan. Not only was it bad goalkeeping, but just to compound it, he took it off three Hartlepool players' heads. It wasn't like it was It was three crew players trying to get on the end of this cross. It was his defenders who were going to head it out anyway. Mm. He up in his own defenders. It was a half-assed punch. And then it allowed him. He was so far out of goal; we just needed a bit of quality to to get it under and then and then smash it back towards the goal, which Finnegan did very well. But God, oh, that was bad goalkeepers.
4: Was it just me as well that thought it sort of went through the goalkeeper's stroke over him? He, he, it didn't seem to be. Sort of looping way over his head. It seemed to no sort of go the, to the,
3: the, the 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 damage the shot he wasn't saving. It wasn't. There's was right, nothing okay. wrong with him not saving just the angle shot. he
4: was sat at. I think. Yeah, there was nothing yeah. wrong.
3: He, he 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 was never saving that shot. The ah. issue was the fact that
1: it went the position he was in to start with, where he allowed the shot to happen.
3: That was the problem.
1: It just got himself into a really terrible position with that ham-fisted attempt at punching out the cross.
4: Yeah, I think it, maybe it was a, just a result of where where the game was at for Hartlepool at the time because we we were, as I think Alex alluded to earlier, that said we were pulling them around. We'd made the pitch quite big at that stage. We were moving the ball wide and, and finding finding gaps. And you wonder whether he's, he's singing, oh, bloody hell, I've got to do something here. I've got to do something here. I've got to do something here. And, and sort of then goes and... Flaps at it, which he didn't need to, um, and um, yeah, you don't know whether it was a result of of where the game was at for them at that stage, um, but it certainly, yeah, he, he'll, he'll be getting a contract for crew with with um, cross, dealing with crosses like that, won't he?
0: It's so nice to hear you talking about an opposition goalkeeper in negative terms rather than a own keeper. It's such a pleasant change. Plenty of time for that, Steve. Yes, I'm sure there's plenty of time time. for that later on. (laughs) Okay, um, second half is actually... Pretty uneventful, really. Um, Hartlepool reorganised at the break and just seemed to want to keep the score down. Um, there's a real header that goes wide, which leads to, a, Tim, you may have heard this, a legendary piece of McGarry commentary where he questions whether Rio was scared of the post as he came in for a header, which is a bit of classic McGarry. Um, yeah. Alex, should we be frustrated and disappointed that we didn't manage to add to our two goals there, do you think?
3: Yes. it was It was a poor second half, I thought, actually. And it might be difficult for the players to sort of get up for it and get, like, you're 2-0 up at half-time. You're playing against 10 men. They were bad with 11. You know, oh, they've got 10 now. You don't need to You don't need to really put anything in. you just got to go through the motions in the second half. But it was a disappointing half because actually, I'm glad the management didn't change it. Like they've said, right, we're going to stick with the back three. Let's practice playing in a back three. Let's do that. But it was a real half-assed performance, I thought. And they were lucky. There was a couple of openings that Hartlepool could have got one back and then it gets a bit squeaky for no apparent reason. Um, the Rio chance was really the only chance we had in the had in the second half. And I actually agree with McGarry. Like, I genuinely do think he was more worried about hitting the post than he was thinking, I'll score and what happens, happens. He was thinking, right, let me get out of the way of that and then if I score, it's a bonus.
4: Yeah, I thought Hartlepool were, were poor, right? You know, we talk about um, we spoke spoken before. Are the two teams worse than us? Yes, Hartlepool were really, really poor, and and um, I didn't think much of them in the eleven, let alone ten. But um, that second half, as you said, was a non-event, wasn't it? It was, it was really poor. We we seemed to I, I couldn't work out whether it was us forgetting what we'd done well in the first half, in the as I said, making the pitch big and and making sure we've got the overlaps keep staying wide and stuff or whether it was Hartlepool had had buttoned down the hatches and and you know we allowed them to to keep it tight but it, it was it was an absolute non-event the second half and um but it's three points isn't it so we've got to be thankful for that really
0: well Steve you say it's a non event but I think there's a key kind of moment that happens because um our our Uh, benched goal scorer Bass Sambu gets his big chance against 10 men playing through the middle which I believe is where he wants to play how did that audition for him go Steve in that final Um, 20 minutes
4: let's let's say I don't think they'll be calling him back for a second interview will they um he was I, I I've been a a supporter of of the guy because he works hard, doesn't he? And he he does add something. What that is, I'm not sure, but he does often add something in that is he, he, he works hard. And but that can't just be enough, can it? A, a, in professional football, I thought he was. Um, he looked like they dragged somebody off the George fields on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Um I, I thought it, it was a woeful performance. His touch, he just doesn't have one, does he? Um, I just thought he was absolutely terrible and he seemed to shrink as as the sort of 20-minute cameo or however long it was went on. He seemed to shrink and shrink and shrink, and if anything get worse, it wasn't one one sort of incident. It was two, three, four, wasn't it? That he was giving the ball away. His, his touch was five yards off him, or he just sort of fell over it at one stage. Um, really, really poor. And you, I don't know, um, his contract's up in the summer, isn't it? And I, um, I'll be amazed if he gets another one, or rather, I don't think I'd be giving him one, whether he will or not's another matter.
0: On to Saturday. And the first ever visit to Harrogate um, sees Lee Bell, uh name an unchanged three-five-two. Tim, um, we spoke a bit about Tabina playing in that role. Were you pleased with that starting lineup? Did you think it was a way forward?
1: Yeah, I did. I was pleased when I saw the lineup. Um, I think it's always nice to reward a, a winning team with, uh, you know, keeping it unchanged. However, as the game started to pan out. It became obvious within the first 10 or 15 minutes that we shouldn't have been playing three at the back. Um, th- they were so narrow. They, they're they the most narrow team I've seen all season. They basically just completely seeded the wings to us. Um, our wing backs had the whole pitch to play in, um, but it was obvious as the game went on that Rio didn't have the quality to make use of it, and and Taberna, you know, he's going to be a brilliant player, but he was kind of let's say it, it wasn't the most effective going forward. Um and we, we just needed a couple of wingers out there and we'd we'd have ripped them apart. I thought he, he should have made the change after twenty minutes. The the one he ended up making um after an hour when when he bought the centre half off and went for the back. And um yeah, that, that changed the game. But the the first half was pretty poor. And
0: one of the things in the first half was we were really, really struggling from their corners. Really, really struggling. There was numerous kind of uh, scrambles and close calls. Alex, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring the subject up. Are we struggling from set pieces due to the lack of the defence's confidence in our goalkeeper? Yes. Yes. So do
3: you want to join a, a nuance stance, or do you want? Add a bit, add a bit of nuance. Chuck an analogy in if you have got one. I, I don't think I've got an analogy. I think I used them all up last week. Oh. But he. Just, he's scared, isn't he? He's a scaredy cat. That's how I describe him as a goalkeeper. He's a scaredy cat because he's like glued to his line. He gives them no confidence. The defence, well, to be fair, the defence should know he's not going to come and they should be dealing with it. But the fact is, some of these crosses are three, four yards away from his goal. They're absolute meat and drink for any professional goalkeeper. I use the term professional because I don't associate it in terms of our current goalkeeper, um, and, he, and, and he's nowhere near them. And that's, that's the sort of nervousness that he brings. And it's not just from set pieces, it's it's in general. There was one ball in the first half which was sort of clipped in behind. The defence was waiting for him to come out. He never come out, and it just about ended up out of play. But that was you know where the six-yard line sort of cuts. It was inside the six-yard line. When it went out of play, it was just so in his any goalkeeper, just 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 takes just just comes and cleans that, and it was bonkers that he didn't and hasn't, and it's I, I, I honestly, it beggars belief how he's still burgling a game. I mean, the first goal. He was down, you know, there's a the term down in instalments. I don't know what one stage worse than that is, you know, down in whatever it was, but that's what he was because he wasn't even down in instalments. It was shambolic goalkeeping the way he got down and was unable to tip it round the post. I and mean, and you look at all this, I think we said it last week, if Arthur was in goal, would we have had two more points at Crawley? Well, if Arthur was in goal, that first goal definitely would not have gone in. Steve. And if Biedel was in goal... He probably would have saved that as well. For the pure reason, he's got another four inches on him. So he's just got a longer reach. And naturally, that tips it around the post because of just genetics. But I don't know what Beadle's doing at training. I don't know whether he's, you know, going around fighting people, kicking people, trying to cause arguments. But it's, it's quite incredible that he's not getting a minute ahead of this bloke.
1: He's probably going around doing uh, candid camera stunts. We... <laughs> Excellent. Um, Steve, uh,
0: Alex has covered the goalkeeping angle um, of that first goal. Uh, any fault and blame
4: elsewhere outfield? Well, yeah, they, they've got to stop stop them getting chances like that, haven't they? He, he's, it, it's it's soft, isn't it? It's a properly soft crew goal. There's not enough press um, earlier on in the move. And then when, when the ball does come across, you've just got to get across in front of the guy, haven't you? um and and block that because there's only one place and it, this goes for the defenders as well as uh the goalkeeper there's only one place that guy's put in that and that's in the corner that he did um and he didn't he he scuffs it he doesn't even he doesn't even get a true contact on it does he and i think a um any as alex has alluded to um any any Decent goalkeeper should be getting down to that. He's so slow, very reminiscent, actually, of the the Grimsby goals that he he was so slow going down again that side as well. Interestingly, um, that he was it just it wasn't particularly in the corner. It was half hit, scuffed, took two or three little bobbles before it got to the to where he was, and he he's. He's just not of the required standard. I, 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 you know, I'd argue a pack of beetles might um, might have saved it. Let alone a bloke called Beetle. Pack of beetles. Pack of beetles. As in the dog. Beagle. That'll be a beagle. Beagle. Oh God! (laughs) I'm on the outtakes again. Please, Dave. Dave,
0: just please keep that one in. Thank
4: you very much.
1: So the, the bigger the bigger problem for for, for me with Richards, it's not that he goes down slow when he makes the save. It's, he's in the wrong position to start with. I think he's what a good, in goal? He, well, yeah, on the pitch. <laughs> but he should be a yard further to the left for that shot. And I think it was similar. I think it was the Grimsby game, wasn't it? Where there were two. I think where he was stood in the wrong place. It's like yeah. he doesn't know where his goal is behind him, and that's like. It's surely one of the most
4: fundamental
1: aspects of being a goalkeeper that you know where your posts are
4: and he just doesn't seem to. Starting position's massive, isn't it? On on any of these things. But what gets me about about Dave Richards is that he's been in understudy for what, seven years, is it now? And there's a reason for that. Um he does and as the others have alluded said that you know, he, he does look kind of like a like a rabbit in the headlights and you can get away with him for one or two games when he comes and sta you know, stands in as it were. But the longer that goes on, the the longer he um the worse he, he looks because he he's I don't get what, what he what he's got. Um in that his distribution is absolutely shocking, his positioning isn't much better, he doesn't come for crosses he doesn't can't catch can't catch yeah it's kind of the fundamentals and to to, to me I, he's a big reason that we we've conceded a few more goals than we we had done previously because the defenders have no confidence in what's behind them and they're playing could like they've got no confidence in what's behind them because they know they've got to to try and do everything instead of letting the keeper deal with the crosses blah 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 right we we we'll worry about other things and it, it's I I don't understand why why beadle come to the club um if if it's not to play um and I, I I'm I'm at a bit of a loss with it to be honest because he couldn't do much worse there's been successive crew
1: managers now that have every so often just gone
4: oh um. Dave Richards.
1: I wonder if he's still shit. Let's give him a go. And then <laughs> after a few games in the team, it becomes apparent to absolutely everyone that, yes, he's still shit. So <laughs> if if Lee Bell is going to persist with playing Dave Richards, what all that's going to end up happening is we're going to lose more games than we should, and Lee Bell will end up getting sacked, and on his footballing gravestone, it'll just simply say Dave Richards. Lover
4: of Dave Richards.
3: If it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. It's a duck. And that is exactly what Dave Richards is. He's an absolute yeah. duck. Um, yeah, but, only, but... Uh, but I think I think one thing we should say, though, and this is <coughs> not absolving Ronald McDonald of any blame. Um, there was a mistake in the build-up from Conor O'Reardon. He got, those, caught, those goals. He got yeah. caught when he was sort of coming in. And I don't... It's a criticism of, of O'Reardon, but actually I think it's a criticism of management because I still think they've got the three centre-arms in the wrong order. He's not comfortable being the right centre half. He's played his whole youth career as a 19-year-old kid in a two, transitioning from a two to a three and playing in that right centre half role when you've got to know when to step in, when to go into wide areas, is a different role. And he's not quite acclimatised to it yet, which is why I find it, quite surprising that he's not put him in the middle of the three where you're not going to be marking anyone. You can mop up everything behind you. You're not going to get really get dragged out of position, stay within the confines of the penalty box in that role. And they they persist on playing in that wide area when he's getting dragged and he doesn't really quite know what he should or shouldn't be doing. And I think they've just got to change it around. Offord has played right back before. He's comfortable as a right centre off. Put him there. Rod McDonald, left-footed, season pro. And actually playing in that left-centre-half role, he'll probably get a bit more time on the ball where you, where you can utilise his passing range a bit more. Get him in that left-centre-half role and get O'Reardon in the middle, mopping up at the three. And that's one thing that I will say in terms of, a yes, it was an O'Riordan mistake, but I think it was actually because he's not quite sure what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, by the way, about the three centre-halves. I think you're absolutely spot on. But he, it was, it was a bad mistake from O'Reardon. McDonald was challenging, uh, I can't remember if it was Armstrong or the other Muldoon. But McDonald was... Going for the ball, and Eriordan came right across in front of him, and then missed it, which meant the whole of the right side of that three was open for um, for the guy to go in and score. It was it was a bad mistake, but I mean he's been he's been pretty faultless up to this point since he's come back from Scotland, hasn't he? So and he's still pretty young.
3: You want him making those mistakes as well because that's how they learn and get better. If they're not yeah. making those mistakes at the 18-19 where they realise how they've done something wrong, they're not going to improve at the rate so well. He'll be better for this today, and I think Bell was right to hook him after an hour because he did struggle, wasn't his best of games, and then his last sort of action was when he sort of forayed forward down the right hand side and just looked like a fish out of water in that right wing position. Um, Off you get, come off. We're going to a four. You're going to be the the, the, the sort of full guy for our change of formation. Learn from it.
1: He was at fault for the second goal as well, wasn't he? Let's be fair. He came. To try and win that header from the corner and it bounced off his shoulder and fell straight to their guy on the edge of the box. You know, you can't, well, you probably can blame Dave Richards for not coming and claiming the cross in the first place, but um, it, was, it was a pretty poor effort to clear the ball for him. To be fair, I couldn't, it was funny at that corner, I was absolutely,
3: because the queue for the toilets at half time was something un- ungodly. So when they had this corner, I was like, right, I'll let him score from this corner and then I'm going to nip to the toilet because I'll get a free run at it. So, I couldn't, I was too busy thinking about my bladder rather than actually what was going on on the pitch, thinking I'm just waiting for this goal to go in. And then it actually went in. I was like, you're kidding me. Um, and then I nipped off. It, it was a decent finish, but I, I don't know how close the cross was to Richards in the first instance. Because my first thought is, where's your goalkeeper? But because of where we were stood in the ground, you didn't have a great view of it. So, I was like, is that on top of him? Like I thought it was, or is a depth perception caught me out. So I'll have a look at that back on the replay, and I'll and I'll report back the findings via Twitter.
1: Steve. My instinct was it was definitely inside the six-yard box. Yeah. When um, that's, that's what yards. I thought.
4: Three yards. Yeah, I was going to ask Steve because you were watching it, weren't you? What do you yeah. think? It was three three yards head height. It's goalkeepers all day. Um, we, if if you're you're a professional goalkeeper, you're, you're claiming that all day. Your name's all over it. Just on probably just probably on defending them.
1: on defending corners there's something that I think many of us have been crying out for for a long time which i think would improve our defending on corners leave a couple of men up front yeah Completely
4: i absolutely agree, agree.
1: I just but I, I know I there must be some uh, there must be some analysis that says if you bring everyone back and it's a crowded penalty area you only can see from every you know one in five corners and if you leave men up front it's slightly more than that I'm sure there must be some analytical reason why we're doing it, but I'm sorry, it's bollocks. We need, to, yeah, I especially when we were chasing the
4: game. Yeah, yesterday. especially when you've got some munchkins, you know, five foot eight, nine players. You know, Taberna's not exactly a colossus, is he? You know, he's not. You're not going to lose much by not having his his aerial prowess in your own box, are you? He's not there for that. Sticky right up on the halfway line, right? back I don't know on on the on the touch line, take take a man or two with him, won't he, if he's gone wide as well. He, he, it's, it's, it, it's a constant quandary. I, I don't understand the logic behind it, but as you said, Tim, there's probably some, some data somewhere that says you do, you don't concede as many, but yeah, I, I, I we don't, then we don't have an outlet, do we? Particularly with Richards and his absolute woeful distribution. he, he he'll, if on the occasion he does actually catch the ball, um, then he'll stand there and let let the let everybody go back upfield. We're then playing, trying to play through two banks of four rather than hitting people on the break. It takes away that, that option from us, doesn't it?
1: There was a situation I, in the second half yesterday when we I think it was when we were back to two all, it might've still been 2-1 and we were chasing the game, but we were on top and, we were defending the corner and we won it. And we actually had a two-on-two situation. But we were still deep in our own half. And because we had no one forward to pass it to, the move broke down. Whereas if we'd have had an outlet up front from our own corner, we could easily have got the, caught them out there and scored. Um, and look, I don't agree with bringing everyone back when it's nil-nil. Doing it when you're 2 nil down or 2-1 down or whatever it was, is it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd stick three of them on the halfway line. It forces them to have at least four back.
3: That's seven players that you're taking out the box, which should clear the box. I think the issue is if you had a, you know, let's say Beadle plays the next game in goal. Six foot seven, he's got a long reach. It clears the box for him to come out and claim the corner because there's not seven. There's seven less bodies to go through to get that to get that ball. I think it's I think it's bonkers that we've never even looked at it. And it
1: makes it easier for him.
3: Yeah, I, I just I just I just don't get it. And and, and obviously you know this is goalkeeper slating hour. The biggest concern I had with Dave Richards actually, and it was it was a one moment. First off, there was an absolute routine save which went under him, but somehow bounced over the bar from when he failed to make the save. That is goalkeeping 101. And he couldn't do that. And at that stage, head was in the hands. I was it, like, nah, this this ain't this is not. This is it was the laughable. it was easy.
4: It was easy save down to his left that yeah. um, they had a scramble that that really alarmed me. I thought, well, that's just fall on it, and, and it's not an issue, is it? It's literally... He kind of lay down and then just sort of became a barrier and just it bounced off him rather than him catching it. The one that alarmed me
1: most... I mean, both of those two were, were terrible that you mentioned, but the one that alarmed me was the one where he rolled it out to McDonald's one yard out and mcdonald wasn't looking he literally like <laughs> they it out to someone that wasn't watching um yeah god christ
3: was- i actually feel a bit sorry for him though because i genuinely think we're at a stage now where we know he's shit, he knows he's shit, and he stood in goal there just thinking what am i doing here and it must be like disconcerting it must be hard to sort of get up and play in front of a big audience like that when Everyone who's seen you week in, week out knows you should be nowhere near that goal. So why they keep on picking him, I have no idea. He's he is fine as a number two. Let's be clear. He is fine yeah. as a number two. If he has to come in and play the odd game here and there, you can tolerate it. Him yep. playing week in, week out is an absolute dereliction of duty from the management. It is poor.
0: Okay, I think we've... Um... I think we've ticked our box of goalkeeper slating as we have to do uh, contractually per episode. So that's good. So we've done that one. Um, so you have already mentioned that O'Reardon gets hooked for Robertson and there's a switch to a back four, which doesn't instantly pay dividends. But eventually we work our way back into a game. There's not really much threat. But then um, Aggie puts the ball past O'Connor and is fouled. Tim,
1: penalty or not? It was an interesting one because if you looked at the referee... Which
3: I mean, it's an you, interesting one. It was a penalty. But
1: I wasn't sure. It was a penalty. I think it's a definite foul. But I wasn't sure whether the ref was going to give it. He, he goes over and he, it was like he hadn't made his own mind up whether he was going to book Archie for diving or point to the spot. And it seemed to take an eternity before he eventually did. But, um, look, I, personally, I think it's an absolute nightmare by the defender because I don't think Archie's going anywhere. I think he's either going to run that out of play or hook across behind the goal like he normally does. Um so for the defender to bring him down now where he's going nowhere is an absolute disgrace. But um, thank you very much. We'll take it. And um, he he finished the penalty very, very nicely again.
0: I think uh, taking that point on from Tim, Steve, um, three consecutive conversions from, from Dan Agui now, all pretty comfortable. Is he now reaching
4: porter levels of penalty
0: competency?
4: Oh, oh, will anybody ever reach porter levels? Um He's he's cool as a cucumber, isn't he? Almost too cool, which he sets me quite the other way, to be honest, because I hate these stuttered run-ups. But he, he's he's good at it, and you know, yesterday he seemed to have sat the keeper down, made him, and sent it the wrong way, sent it the other way rather, sent the goalkeeper the wrong way, and and sent the ball the other. He's he's good at it. Okay. Following on from that, um, we then build up
0: a bit of uh, pressure and eventually, great cross from Robertson, um, who did make a difference when he came in, fizzes the ball across to Iwakwe. Uh Alex, do you want to take it from
3: there? Brilliant, brilliant first touch from Tariq Uwakwe. And not overstate. How much that was a superb first touch. It absolutely kills the defender and it allows him to run on and hit the second touch under the keeper. I actually thought the keeper did quite well to smother it and I couldn't see how it was going to go in, but he managed to slide it under him. Um and obviously I think it found its way over the line before it was cleared and, and never followed up.
0: Nevitt's but... been given
1: the goal, you know. Oh, was he? Well, Nevitt's good. Been given the goal, he, he,
3: he needs it. Yeah. He needs, needs it um but for me it was I, I thought it was in before I was celebrating before it got followed in put it like that um and I thought the touch was it was it was a good pass from from Robertson actually sent to the channel there Tariq made a nice little run from left to right but the first touch was just absolutely superb and it's that bit of quality that you always feel Tariq's got but doesn't display often enough and and he was good when he came off the bench yesterday to, to be fair to a whack way um he got he into more, that
1: wide-left position, loads, yeah, didn't he? And he yeah. they, they just couldn't deal with him because they were so narrow.
3: Correct. And and we went to this 4-4-2 and I actually think that the big change was when, was when, and it's not a criticism, well, it is a criticism of him by default, but when Conor Thomas came off and you had Taberna in midfield alongside Finnegan, you had two, two ball-playing midfielders that could take the ball off the back four and begin to dictate play. And that's when Harry could begin to struggle with us. Like, I, I was with... Um, a fellow esteemed pod member at the at the game, and he said, "I don't think we'll get one, but if we get one, you can and cause a bit of chaos. It's on here. You can see they were jittery. Just even at two 0 there was like just things like you're giving us a sniff here, and I don't know why you are. And as soon as we got that goal, it was like here we go. This is this is on if we've got a bit of quality, and we had that bit of quality. And actually, we had a couple of set pieces where Finnegan has overhit them." He's really trying to whip it in any sort of fizz. And he's like, if I get this right, any sort of touch and it goes in the goal, obviously he's overcooked them. But if he gets one of those right, we've gone from, you know, 80 minutes of ridiculous ridiculousness to 10 minutes of sublimeness and, and
1: walked away with three points, uh, but not to be. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible performance yesterday. But that last 10, 15 minutes, we were, uh, we looked pretty good. And you're right, the two in midfield, that's about as progressive as we've been in terms of having ball players in the middle of the park. I mean, Finnegan's some player. He reminds me of um, certainly physically and the style of play of Michael O'Connor. Remember the like Northern Ireland youth player. Um, I, although I, I actually mem- think
3: I remember him getting ended by Lewis Carey at Bristol City all those years ago in a two-one loss.
1: That's right.
3: And he was a, he was he was a, he was when he first came into that side. It's it's a good comparison actually because Michael O'Connor, if he wasn't, I mean he was he was a bit of a dickhead when he bowled accounts. I remember him getting escorted off a bus when he was showing jelly babies at Marlon Bruins. Um but. He was he was he was a terrific player and it's a good comparison because he's got that physicality about him Finnegan that he puts himself about, he's happy to put his foot in. But once he gets his foot on the ball, his first instant he, he plays with his head up rather than his head down. Yeah. And I think if you look at Connor Thomas, as soon as he controls the ball, he's looking at the ball rather than looking at what's his surroundings around him. And that's but, the difference.
4: But that change well, as well also added some mobility in there because Connor Thomas, you know, moves no quicker than a bloody Dalek, does he? You know centre half. He's a centre-half. Yeah, I've got a lot of hills to die
3: on. That's another one. Add it to the three peaks. This is another Alex Irani hill to die on.
1: Connor Thomas is a centre-half. When you play him in centre midfield, he's like one of those Anthony Gormley statues on Thornby Beach. Okay, chaps. Um, to, uh, Alex, <laughs> and <Tim. laughs>
0: Alex and Tim. Alex and Tim, you were present at the game. How was your experience at Harrogate yesterday?
3: First ever visit there. Not league ground. Barrow mark two. Apart from Barrow, you could get a pint at half-time. Any ground where I can't get a pine, I don't like immediately. Uh, so it's, it's 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 in that category. It was old-fashioned. That's all I'd say about it. Tim's probably going to be more glowing in his reference. Um, Would return, yes. Harrogate itself, very nice town, although £8 for a double rum and coke seems slightly excessive, but we'll get into London prices on, on another podcast. Um, but yeah, it was it was an old-fashioned ground. And it begs me. You know, I, I do wonder when I've seen Harrogate this year, you've seen Barrow this year, and you look at the uh, you look at the national league. What's going on with the likes of Notts County and Wrexham absolutely racking up the points with ten thousand plus fans? How on earth have those two jokers got promoted ahead of Notts County and Wrexham? Mental.
1: It felt like a good old fashioned away day yesterday. There was, um, I think we took seven hundred. I think we sold out our end or side, um, but all the bars around Harrogate were full of crew fans. And you know, you saw those people you knew before the game and had a few beers, and it was. Um, it was. It, it did feel like a a, a decent away day. Uh, Alex is right. The ground itself is utter shite, but the um, the town's lovely. Uh, eight hours ten, would go again.
0: Fantastic, thank you, Steve. Final question on the Harrogate game for you: Are we now safe from relegation?
4: It's it, it's looking increasingly so, isn't it? I think it's ten points above uh, second bottom now. Um, uh, we you've got to assume we'll we'll accrue enough enough points now, but we shouldn't be where we are, um, should we really? And whether we we talk about management generally, um, our team isn't isn't achieving what the sum of its parts should do. You know, you talk about good management, adding, you know, get, getting more out of players than. Um, than than they they appear individually. I would argue our players are better than where where they currently are, and we should be achieving a lot more than sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, whatever in in the bottom league. Our facilities are far in excess of the likes of Barrow and Harrogate, and all all of that they can only dream of of our stadium and our um, training facilities. And um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, in, in, back to the beginning of the um, the question. Uh, I, I I think we're looking that way, aren't we? We're looking that way. It, it would be a, a mighty drop to um, to lose, or or rather, for those teams down the bottom to win three more games than we do. But at least that's a bloody
3: long winded long winded way of saying yes. We're safe, by the way. Impressive. But why <laughs> use impressive. one word
4: when four hundred would do?
3: Uh, you know? I think if we win next week, that I think the gap then to um, Watchdale will be something like eighteen points, and then I only have thirteen left. So that's I, I don't think Watchdale are catching us anyway, but I think that will officially put them to bed, um, and I think it will be a, a comfortable enough cushion uh, for us to be able to stay up. Uh, I agree with the sentiment that we sh- we sh- we're not getting uh, th- we should be getting more out of the squad that we've got. I don't think it's about I don't think it's a bad squad at all, and I don't. I think there is, and I do have criticisms of the manager, and I, I take it back to let's go six years ago when when Dave Artell took over. We were crap then, but there seemed to be a plan, there seemed to be an idea, and you had, a, 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 we knew how we would, what we were trying to do. We just didn't have the pl- players that were able to do it. And we had moments like we stuffed Grimsby four or five at home. Um, there were some other games where we put some good performances together between the January he took over and the end of the season. I've not seen anything from this Lee Bell side, and even going back to when Alex Morris was in charge, that makes me think we have any idea how we're progressing the ball, how we want to play, how we want how we want how we want to go go about this. And that's why I think, okay, we might have enough this season to get away with it, and we might then end up getting some heavier hitters off the wage book in the summer and, and get better players in for next season. But we've got to do. There has to be more of a plan. Something more cohesive from above that imprints itself on the pitch, and and it's just not there. And you know, I will, I I will say, I don't think Lee Bell is the long term answer uh, at Crew Alexandra.
1: I'd just like to see him try some things that instead of doing the same old things that we know aren't going to work, like playing Richards, like bringing everyone back from corners, like bringing One instead of Holacek, we know those things don't work, so let's try some different things. Let's let's try playing the six or seven goalkeeper we've got on loan from a Premier League team. Let's try giving Holochek a few minutes. Let's try leaving a couple of men up when we're defending corners. You know what's the worst that can happen?
3: He's not. My 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 biggest gripe with he's not coaching. There's nothing that he has done that is coaching. It is he's putting. We could have done. We could do. One of us could manage Cora Andrew right now. Because there's no, he's putting eleven men on the pitch. There's no idea, and he's almost saying, "You you you suss it out for yourselves." There's no plan. There's no right. If he receives the ball in this area, these needs to be his options. That is not transitioning. Well, it doesn't come. It doesn't come across to fans that that's happening. So that is my biggest gripe, and it will continue to be my gripe with management. That it's just there's no plan there. It looks like he's putting eleven men on the pitch and saying, "Knock yourself out, lads." And it was like last week when he had the back four to start with against um, Crawley wasn't working we all, we all knew it wasn't like, what would you do at half time you go to a back three it's it's basic basic management that he's not doing a particularly good job at and that's why I just don't think he's a long term answer. I get he's a young coach I get he's learning but there has to be something there and I just don't see that spark okay I think that'll do
0: on the Harrogate game thank you chaps okay the women's team were on county cup duty against Roncorn the weekend um, let's hear how they managed to get on
5: Hi Matt, you're into the hat for the next round of the Cup County Cup. Are you happy with the performance? Um, we, we we did enough without really doing our best. Um, we uh, you know we we can't complain too much. We've kept a clean sheet. Um, scored five goals and got the win that we needed. But I'm just not really sure we really give the best account of ourselves. Um, felt like we, we let them enjoy a little bit of time on the ball when I felt, felt we should have been more intense pressing them. Um, so, performance-wise, not great, but job done. You say you didn't do enough, but why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know the reasons why. Why we didn't do enough. I know what, the, what 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 we didn't do, and that was that we didn't move. Uh, we didn't move the ball quick enough. We didn't create them passing lanes and those triangles. We spoke about creating little mini rondos all over the pitch and playing through our opponents. The pitch was quite fast, so we we try and play quite a high line and, and we we try and play through balls and get in behind the opponent. But the ball just kept running away today. And no matter how much information came from the sidelines about changing what our, our, our plan of action and Combating that, it just didn't really hit home with the girls, and mm-hmm. I don't feel like we really certainly in the first half that we'd ever played in, in tight spaces well and quick enough. Yeah, um, you picked up a couple of injuries today with Raggers and Ella limping off. Um, are either of them, either of the injuries, a worry? Um, Ella's was, was a well, she received a couple of whacks on the same ankle uh, from the same player actually. Um, so so that's just an impact injury. We don't, we don't, we're, we're open that's not going to be a serious thing, that should be fine, hopefully. Um, Raggers was, uh, she's, she's just pulled a quad. Um, that'll be one of them. Let's see how it is tomorrow morning. Um, Raggers is a professional. She's been there, she's done that. I don't think there's a part of her body that she hasn't injured, so so she knows best with that one. But uh, neither, neither are serious. With regards to next week, uh, only time will tell. That's good news. Finally, it's another cup quarter final next week against um, Cheadle Town. Are the players confident heading into the game? They're excited. They're, yeah, they're really excited and confident. Um, Cheadle are probably uh, one of the best teams along with FC United that we've um, that we've played this year. They played us off the park, uh, at the uh, league game at our place. Um, their movement's so fluid. Um, I, I admire the way they played against us. Um, we have a plan. Um, and, uh, yeah, for, for us to potentially get into another semi-final in the space of two weeks is uh, is, is really really exciting exciting times uh, so we're looking forward to it great let's hope we can keep uh, keep up this winning streak well done to you and the girls again thanks. thanks cheers
0: next up for the alex is walsall away on tuesday night i had a chat with the opposition um to get their perspective on the game I'm here with Tom from the One Pod uh, Beyond Walsall podcast. Um, hello, Tom. Good to be with you tonight. Evening. Nice to be here. And obviously, it's been a while since we've uh, played each other. And as this is a rearranged game, it's strange to be playing you for the first time in the season in February. But tell us a bit about the One Pod
6: Beyond pod. Oh, uh, we're pretty long in the tooth as a podcast. I think this is our 10th season. Um, Possibly even 11th. I'm not quite sure. I lose count. But yeah, we've been going for at least a decade um, and sort of like a lot of podcasts originally started because we felt that um, there was probably a bit of a gap in the market. Um, Obviously, we're from um, uh, the West Midlands conurbation, which has four massive clubs um, within touching distance. And, you know, we've always had a chip on our shoulder, you know, probably with good reason um, that the local media probably don't pay us as much Uh, attention as the big boys so we decided to kind of fill that gap Um, and I think it was at the time we were having a few issues with the chairman as well so it was almost it it was formed in the middle of a sort of protest um, movement just to give fans a bit of a voice as well Um, and we've tried to carry that on you know we're not too uh, chummy with the club we tend to sort of try and keep them at a distance um, which is always useful but um, yeah we've pretty much had the same lineup now for the best part of a decade Um, we don't change the format too much Um, we don't particularly do stuff like you know interviewing ex-players or anything like that we just do a pod every month or so and just look back um, and then take uh, listener questions which are almost always um, about food as much as they are about football Um, so that gives you a sort of uh, insight into the mentality of uh, of Warsaw fans the football hasn't been particularly exciting over the last 5 years so we just tend to talk about chips and stuff like that
0: fantastic longer in podcast as well we're we're mere saplings compared to you this is our third season i believe so you're you're definitely veterans um on to the season then so we obviously we're in february we haven't met yet as i mentioned how's the season played out for you in terms of those pre-season expectations
6: it's kind of been a season of of three quarters uh, so far. The first quarter was was pretty average. We we started well. We won our first three games. Then we went on a run where we didn't win in twelve, um, and people were starting to get a bit twitchy. Then we had a fantastic run um, in the second quarter of the season, and people started thinking, um, you know, can we, you know, make a bid for the top seven? It was looking likely. We were, you know, doing really really well, um, and then. More recently, um, now no winning seven, unfortunately. Um, probably a bit of a, a victims of our own success. We had a, a good FA Cup run, beat some really good teams, one away at Wickham, one away at Stockport, um, and then uh, drew Leicester um in the fourth round. First sort of sellout for uh, since Chelsea visited uh, about five or six years ago. Um, and you know, got, got ourselves keyed up for that, couldn't quite beat them we had chances but lost 1-0 which probably wasn't a bad result to a a, you know a good team I think they they played nine out of 11 of their their first team so it wasn't like a a reserve team and then it's been a bit sort of after the Lord Mayor's show after that um, as I say um, including the Leicester game no winning seven now and we're just drawing too many games we're not getting beat very often um, but we can't get a win at the moment
0: you can probably hear the collective groan from our listeners when you gave me that um, no winning seven stat because when we play teams who haven't, had a run, haven't won for a few games, we normally know how it finishes, so it um, might be worth a few quid. Um, so what what formation um, should we expect to see Warsaw playing and any particular key players that crew fans should keep an eye out for?
6: Um, it's a Michael Flynn team. If you know Flynn, you know how his, his teams kind of tend to play, so... Um three centre halves, wing backs, um, two up front, um, usually. Um, we've been suffering a little bit without um Danny Johnson, who we had on loan, um, scored 15 goals. And then there was a big sort of willy-won'ty saga of uh, whether he was going to sign during January. In the end, he didn't. He stayed at Mansfield. Um, you know, all sorts of rumors about Mansfield were asking silly money. Johnson himself would only sign a six-month contract, uh, according to Nigel Clough. So then paying a fee for him you know seemed a bit uh, you know is is much less appealing um and so we went out and signed um both of the forest green strikers from last season who scored 47 goals between them um but so far for Warsaw, um they are yet to get off the mark um so um they'll need time to get up to speed i think this is a team you know that that lost some really key players during january Uh, Liam Bennett went back to Cambridge. Uh, Danny Johnson went back to Mansfield. um, And Liam Kinsella, um, probably our best uh, sort of defensive midfielder, um, was uh, lost to injury. Um, So he's out at the moment as well. Um, We tried to replace them at the moment. You know, we're playing a couple of players up front who probably aren't match fit, still trying to get fitness. But we're not, you know, we're not really creating chances for them to put away is the honest answer. We seem to have lost that creative spark. Um, we're relying a bit too much on um, sort of long throws, um, long balls forward to Jamil Matt. Um, and it's not particularly working at the moment. We don't look a hugely creative side at the moment, unfortunately.
0: We, we, just, we recently switched to three centre-halves as well, and we're struggling for creativity and goals. So it could be like for like on Tuesday night by the sound of it. Um one player Crew fans know very well, who's played regularly for you, is Donovan Daniels. Um, how's he been getting on?
6: He's been superb, uh, and I think he'll probably be one of the big contenders for player of the season, to be honest. Um, it, he's he's just been excellent. Um, really good leader, um, you know, very strong in the tackle, dominant in the air. Um, I think you know, we've got one of the best um defensive records in league two. Um this season. And it's not difficult to see why, you know, with him and um Hayden White um, and Manny Montfe, you know, they're sort of formidable um center forwards at this level, and um, not much gets past them, um, certainly in the air. Um, and we've recently signed Joe Lowe as well on loan from Bristol City, who's exactly in the same mold, you know, he's about six foot four, um, built like a brick toilet, um, and you know, just heads everything away. And um chipped in with a goal um the other week as well so uh, so yeah we we at the back we're pretty much fine it's going forward we're getting less from the wing backs um at the moment and um uh, yeah but going back to your question donovan daniels has had a, a outstanding season so far
0: that's interesting. He could never get a run of games together with us. He kept picking up injuries. She'll promise, um, always felt he had a mistake in him, but he was kind of hampered by injuries during his time with us. So good to hear he's doing well. Um, and finally, what would your prediction be for this rearranged game on Tuesday night?
6: Uh, well, I mean, we, we really, really have to win this one. Um, I think six uh, or five of our next seven games are at home. We had a run of six uh, out of eight, which started on Saturday with a draw against Newport we were hoping we could pick up six points against Newport and yourselves um only managed to draw um against Newport um I I think we might just about manage to nick a win for the first time in a while on Tuesday I'm going to go for 1-0 I
0: think it'll be tight I don't think there's gonna be many goals from what you've said and, and looking at how we're playing at the moment it's going to be a pretty tight game anyway Tom good to speak to you um thank you for your time and all the best for the rest of the season
6: Cheers, Steve. Good to talk to you.
0: Okay, chaps. So we've got Walsall away on Tuesday. Uh, they sit in the 14th spot, at five points ahead of us, and they drew 1-1 with Newport on Saturday. They're not in great form. Steve, what do you expect from Tuesday
4: night? <clears throat> Who knows? Um, I, I, I suspect it'll just be another workman-like performance and we might get a point. Um, because that's seemingly all all we do these days, isn't it? As Alex alluded to before with, with regards to the 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 management, it's very much paint by numbers. There's no um sort of flair being allowed almost, and it, it's you do this and, and all of that. But yeah, um I, I I guess we'll go and we'll we'll try not to get beat, but um they're they're an interesting side really in that they spent a lot of money didn't they in the summer and um, were sort of making noises about being at the top end of the division and and yet they um, they don't seem much better than us to be to be blunt Um, and I would have thought that they are sort of underachieving really for some of the some of the signings they made and some of the money that they're paying people.
0: Alex what's your prediction for Tuesday night? donovan daniels
3: throughout the game of his life um otherwise otherwise to be honest like i said it's difficult to give these predictions you can see the lead table you can see their form their 14th until you really see these eyes on the eye test you're not really sure and you know example being i didn't think Forley were a bad side when we played them last week They're second bottom all of a sudden so shows what i know um no i just hope we we, we continue i mean it's three unbeaten It's sides below us haven't gained on us in the past week. Let's just keep the you know, almost positive momentum going. We finished the game strongly. Let's take that into into the game. Let's not do anything stupid early doors. Let's keep ourselves in it and then let's see if we can keep it nil at one end, if we can if we can grab one at the other.
0: So one nil to crew then. That's what I'm hoping for.
1: Okay. Tim, prediction? Warsaw. Just trying to remember. Have we played Warsaw yet this season? Or is this the first time we've played it? First First time time. we played them. So this is a rearranged game, isn't it, Tuesday? Um yeah, to be honest, I've got no idea what to expect, other than, as Alex says, Donovan Daniels will probably have a blinder. Um, the interesting thing is they're only just above us in the table, but their goal difference is 17 better than ours. So, um, yeah, I always think that's a pretty good indicator of where a team is. So um, they, mustn't, they must not must be all half decent. Um, yeah, no, no idea, to be honest, Steve. Let's go one-all. Or-
0: and Steve I didn't actually get a
4: prediction from you you yeah sorry I was wittering away wasn't I I, I'd be the same you were wittering away that's unlike you Steve (laughs) I know it's shocking isn't it Uh,
0: 1-1 brilliant thank you Saturday sees Rochdale visit crew I caught up with um, some Rochdale representation to get their views on this match All right, I'm here with Dean from RochdaleAFC.com. Hello, Dean. Good to have you with us. Hi, cheers for having me on. Not a problem. And obviously, it's been a very long while since we last played each other um, at the back end of July. First day of the season, everyone's hopes are high. Obviously, the first question is, what's gone wrong for Rochdale this year?
2: Um, Pretty much everything you could could imagine. Um, Poor recruitment in the summer, Kind of give it. We gave Robbie Stockdale the summer to to build. Um, We finished about seventeenth last season, and in all honesty, I understood why the board gave him another chance because last year was very difficult in terms of we. The board were kind of fighting off a a hostile takeover attempt, and um, we had a, a, a transfer embargo for a little bit. So Stockdale got a lot of stick towards the end of the season, but I understood why the board gave him gave him the summer to recruit. But unfortunately. It just proved to be a really bad decision. Um and five games into the season he was he was he was sacked. So um that that kind of puts you off on the bad foot. I said at the start of the season that it, it makes us look like a basket club from the from the sort of uh basket case club from the sort of get go. Like we were saying, oh, there's no older more or Scunthorpe this year that are gonna really struggle. I was saying, well, maybe we're we're that team if we're having to sack our manager five games into the season and uh, to be fair to Jim Bentley, I think at times he's he's struggled with what he's been left with. But at this point now, uh, he's been in the job since since September, and nothing's changed. In in fact, he's actually got a worse win percentage than Stockdale did over his time um, in charge. So uh, poor management, poor management from both Stockdale and Bentley, poor poor recruitment, um, just poor decisions made, sort of both on and off the field. And it's kind of all come to a head, and I do think it can. Kind of, it does go back to that to that takeover attempt. It seems like everyone at the club, fans and board, and even the the management at the time uh, and staff, like everyone kind of came together to try and fight that off. And then there was just maybe a, a lack of care for what was happening on the pitch because everyone was so worried about what was going on off it, and and that seems to have come to a head now, which is it's frustrating because it seems like things are actually. A lot more stable off the pitch, but but on it, it's just been it's just been a mess.
0: Definitely a gloomy season, as you say, not not gone well. Um, onto the game on Saturday. Um, what formation are we likely to see Rochdale line up in, and are there any kind of key players that crew fans should keep their eyes out for?
2: Well, I'm sure I'm sure everyone knows about Ian Henderson. Um, kind of, well, yeah, maybe our biggest legend ever. Now he uh, broke the club's goal scoring record earlier in the season. Um and even at thirty eight, he's probably our best player, to be honest. He um he he can still pop up with a goal occasionally and he's still running channels and I feel I think he's probably the only player who's just exempt from the sort of criticism that's been fired at the players, which is completely fair. I think you see it at the end of the game that like he walks off separately from everyone else and gets gets the applause and then it's just kind of silence as only when players walk off because I think everyone just loves what what Henderson's done for the club and um, it's a shame to see him involved in a team like this, if I'm being honest. Um, In terms of formation, Bentley's switched to a a kind of 3-4-3, I would call it, um, over the last few weeks. He did it on a Tuesday night at Bradford and we got a win out of nowhere um, and he's kind of stuck with it since then, even though we haven't picked up many more points since then. So... um, it's kinda of, it's slightly lopsided because Udu on uh, on the right side of the of the wing backs is quite attacking. He's he is nominally a forward. He's, a, he's an attacking player who's um I don't think he's well, he's definitely not scored or assisted a goal this season. So uh, I think the the plan was to move him back a little bit further away from goals where he's less dangerous um, and then on the other side is Owen Dodgson who's more of a, a fullback, but playing um, as a left wing-back at the moment on loan from Burnley um, so yeah, it, it's likely to be that and then we'll see Henderson up top with um, probably Scott Quigley uh, or Devante Rodney if he if he's fit and firing, I mean Quigley's been uh, horrendous in the last few weeks in all honesty, he's just, just completely ineffective, whereas Rodney's got a little bit of pace and has scored a few goals earlier in the season I think maybe he sometimes lacks a bit of desire. Um, but for me, he should be starting over quickly. So hopefully, if he's fit, he came on for 10 minutes on Saturday against Gillingham. So um, hopefully, if he's fit, he'll start on top alongside Henderson and, and Danny Lloyd will be on the other side of the three.
0: I think he scored your goal in the opening day, didn't he? In the 2-1 win that the crew had at Rochdale. I think Devante Rodney scored then.
2: Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had a good start yeah. to the season. He scored in that one and then he scored again in the... Uh, win over Bert Albion and, and he scored a penalty at Colchester and it seemed like he was kind of going to be our our go-to man up top but yeah it, it changes of formation have kind of moved him away from playing up front and when Quigley first came on loan he was he was firing to be fair he scored I think he scored like five in seven or eight or something like that done basically nothing since but because Quigley was playing so well and we'd changed to like a 4 three, three, it meant Rodney playing wide on the left and he's just nowhere near as effective there Um so yeah, it's a bit of a shame because I think he was one of the few that we had quite high hopes for, but it's not really worked out. Which is probably the same for for the majority of them this season.
0: Last time out on Saturday, you lost kind of a a massive crunch game at home to Gillingham. Um, how did that play out?
2: Yeah, not uh, yeah. It, it was. I think everyone was going into it with a, a kind of a feeling that this was make or break for us, and and obviously it just didn't go to plan at all. Um, I think there's a. I don't want to say an acceptance because obviously I would expect professional footballers to to be playing the hearts out to try and remain as football league players, but it, it, there's just a malaise that's setting, And that Gillingham game um, was pretty much like a a perfect example of that. We, we've struggled to create chances like we have in every game. We had like a 10, 15 minute spell where we put a bit of pressure on, but we were already behind at that point. And then, we had a really good chance where the ball fell to Hendo on the edge of the box, and he just couldn't quite get it out of his feet, and he got tackled before he could finish. And then, um, ten seconds later, Gillingham go up the other end and, and get an easy goal to finish it off. And yeah, there was it's it's been strange because I, I actually thought there'd be a little bit more sort of vitriol aimed at the players, but in reality, it's just um, everyone just seems deflated. Uh, and yeah, there's definitely on the fans' part of you on the fa- from the fans' point of view, definitely like an acceptance now that um, our time in the Football League, 102 years in the Football League, looks like it's uh, about to come to an end.
0: If you do drop, I mean, if the worst happens, what do you think the future holds for Rochdale? Would they would they make a fair fist of it in the National League? Or do you think they'd, they'd probably just have to be content with mid-table there?
2: Uh, right now, given the way the last few seasons have gone, because I mean, it's not just this season, we, we, last season we finished quite low in the table, season before that we were relegated from League One and for a few seasons we're really clinging on to, to League One status, so it's kind of been, we've not seen many wins in, in five or six years, so I'd take being a big table team and, and winning a few games, especially at home where we've just been awful for so long. Um, I think you look at it and you you see where scunthorpe are this season and you see where Oldham are, I know they've, Picked up a few results of late and look like they're gonna get out of trouble. Um, unfortunately. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I think you, you look at them and and you worry that it could be another struggle. Um, and then you look at the top of the division and you see teams like Wrexham and Notts County and and Chesterfield even and the sort of the fan bases that they have and the resources that they have compared to us. And it's a worry. And I think obviously there's there's, there's things like the 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 TV money is less. And I think one of the the real Issues for us is uh, we get less funding for the academy in, in non-league, and obviously that's been a, a real source of um, of pride for us over the last ten years or so, and uh, and a real source of income as well in terms of selling players. So I think that is the that is the the issue that I'm really worried about. To be honest, is what the future of the academy looks like, um, and we speak a lot. We we we're now technically a fan-owned club. Uh, or fan led um, all the shares are, are in fans names Um, and that means that we don't really have anyone kind of pumping money into the club which means there's a bit of a black hole financially which you worry if we go down we'll struggle to to plug that gap because the, like you, you know sponsorship money will be less and things like that so um, I think financially is is definitely the worry I think in terms of what we've got on the pitch, I worry as well. If I'm honest, because I look at the players that we've got contracted for next season, and I I don't see them even as really being particularly competitive in non-league. I mean, players like James Ball, who's just just not good enough. Um, Udo is another one I think who's who's contracted for next season. Cameron John, who came to us from Doncaster, uh, and I think there's rumours that he's our highest paid player, and he's just been absolutely just woeful all season um, and he's contracted for another year so it, it, on the pitch it's it's pretty worrying I, and I would say to give me any sort of hope that we'd compete at that level I'd need I'd need to see a new manager and probably 10 new players to uh, to, to have any real, real hope but I guess that, that you kind of expect that don't you in the lower leagues now
0: yeah I mean, we can sympathize with that one. Obviously, when we were drifting towards the relegation zone, the big fear was obviously the Academy's the lifeblood of crew and that was always the fear. If we got sucked in, um, we'd lose that then, then we lose the kind of the main the main part of the club really. Yes. Um I'm gonna put you on the
2: spot. Which two teams do you think will take the drop at the end of the season? Um, I think it's gonna be us and us Hartleypool, to be honest. Um it's it's crazy. I think this is the, the thing that's really stuck in my mind is that Hartley just looks so poor in both games we played against them and they've beaten us home and away. So yeah. <laughs> I mean that kind of says where we're at, at the moment. Um I, I don't think they've got enough quality in the squad to get out of, of the situation they're in. I definitely don't think we do. Um it would take it would take a miracle for us at this stage, I think. And we've had a couple of them before with Joe Thompson and a few other key moments like over the years where we've we've pulled something out of the bag. But I think, yeah, I think the final few nails are about to be uh putting our coffin in over the next few weeks. And I do think it'll be Hartlepool coming along with us. Okay.
0: And final prediction um, request is what do you think the score will be on
2: Saturday? Uh, yeah, unsurprisingly, I don't expect us to, to get anything on Saturday. I'll say a... Um I'll say a t I think... It- I think Crew have had a couple of decent results recently, so I think I'll go 2-0-0 two nil, two nil to Crew. Okay.
0: Dean, um, all the best for the rest of the season. I do hope you manage to preserve that 104 stay in the in the in the Football League. Um, all the best. It's been a pleasure to talk to you
2: and thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Um, hopefully see you next season, but I can't see it to be honest. <laughs> Cheers, Dean. Thank you. Cheers.
0: OK, chaps, um, our final match this week is a home game against Rochdale. They lost at home to Gillingham on Saturday. They're six points adrift of Hartlepool, who are in 22nd spot. Surely this is the final visit of Rochdale to Gresty Road for a good few years. Tim, what do you reckon? Are we do a home win on the weekend against them?
1: I think it's must win for them. I don't think it's necessarily must win for us. Um, I think, you know, a draw, keep them 15 points or 10 points or whatever it is behind us will do us fine. Although, you know, you'd you'd like to beat them because they are rock bottom for a reason. Um, But yeah, I think if they don't come to Crewe and win, I think that's them pretty much gone. I hope it isn't because I like Rochdale as a club. I'd quite like to go there again next season. But um, yeah, I think, you know, they're they're getting increasingly desperate. I saw they lost to Gilliam on Saturday and it was the two guys that Gillingham had signed who scored against them uh, the two fellas they signed for Mansfield. So, um, yeah, Rochdale have kind of seen everyone around them change the manager and bring new guys in and start winning. And they've just carried on being shit all season. So, um, yeah, like more misery for them. We'll sneak a 1-0 win. It'll go in off Nevitt's ass again like it did on Saturday. And, um, yeah, that'll be the end of them.
0: Alex, what do you reckon? Saturday win...
3: I think I was pretty pessimistic about the Hartlepool game last week. Um, and then they turned out to be absolute shy. So I'm hopeful it's similar. Like I said, I don't think it's a must win for us. I think if you get a point, it keeps um, Watchdale behind uh, behind you and it, they don't close the gap. Like I also said last week, to be fair, it's more important to win the Hartlepool game than the Watchdale game. So if you were to choose one of the two to win, it was the Hartlepool one to win. And we've done that. It, like I said, if you, if you get a result, we're good. That should be. Know so, what? Well, that's definitely one side finishing below us, and, it, and it's still a long way to go for the others. Um, do I think we'll win? I don't know. We're a funny side, aren't we? We're like the side comes at bang out of four rock bottom, awful side turns up a Gresty Road. You can see them nicking a one 0 win. Um, but actually, I think we'll. I think I don't think they'll score. I think we'll be solid enough to, to make sure they don't score. And then it's about just whether we've got some quality to score at the other end. So I'm going to go with a two nil home victory.
4: Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, just as the others have said. It's not a must win, but it, it is a should win, isn't it? We should um, have enough to to deal with the side at the bottom of the league, and just to sort of back up what Tim was saying. It's a real shame for Rochdale. They, they've had a lot going on off the pitch, and and it, it's obviously affecting what what's gone on on the pitch or who they can get on on the pitch, um, and the the. They're a good, proper old club, aren't they? Very much like ourselves, have been always been around the bottom two leagues for most of their history, and um, it's a shame what's happening up there, but um, we should have enough, and I'm going to go same as Alex, I think, 2-0. Okay, thank you very much, chaps.
0: I think that'll be us for this week. I think we've covered everything we needed to. So, as ever, uh, thanks to the panel. Thanks to Steve for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks
3: to Alex. Pleasure is always back-to-back weeks with you. Keep, Absolutely. Keep on, Steve. I'm going to start the campaign. Makes make Steve a permanent host.
0: <laughs> and Tim as well. Thank you very much, Tim. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, fellas. And until next time, from everyone here at the Roman Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>
2: Blue moon.